This morning we're in part three of this new series that's all about living in the goodness of God. Or the way I like to think about this is this, or living in the splash zone of the goodness of God. How many have ever been to SeaWorld? Anybody ever been to SeaWorld? You know what the splash zone is, amen? Oh, come on, Carl's had you saying amen last week, amen? All right, so you know what a splash zone is all about. And we need to learn in this series how to live in that splash zone of the goodness of God. Now, when you're living in the splash zone of his goodness, his goodness just kind of rains down on you. His goodness just keeps showering you. Do you want some of that? Amen? Do you want some more of that? I think we all do. And we can experience more of his goodness being showered upon us. Now today, as we continue, I want to talk with you about learning to truly relax. And you're saying, how does that go along with God's goodness? Well, hang with me. The truth is this. When you are living in the, the splash zone of God's goodness, you can really relax. You can. And he will just keep showering you with good thing after good thing. And that allows you to relax. No matter what you're going through, he just keeps pouring his goodness on you, goodness on you, and that allows you to say, man, I don't like this that's happening in my life, but man, God is good, amen? amen? And if you've gone through some hard stuff and God's carried you through that hard stuff, you know what I'm talking about. Now, I think that you need this message this morning because one of the biggest myths about Southern California is that everybody here is laid back, relaxed, easygoing. Everybody here is just kind of like easy. Life is beautiful in Southern California. You know, Southern California is all about the beach. It's all about the beach boys, good vibrations, you know? It's all about the beach. It's all about the beach boys, surfboards, sun, sand. That's Southern California. It's just got to be day after day of pure relaxation. <laughs> but that's a myth, amen? That's a myth. In fact, surveys show that Southern California residents would rather work than play. Real surveys. Surveys show that Southern California residents prefer employment over enjoyment. And the good weather here creates a place where workaholics can work any place at any time. When have you had your work stopped by a snow day? <laughs> Never in Southern California. So lots and lots of us, we don't know how to do this. Take a look at the screen. <laughs> we don't know how to relax like we're on a beach. We don't know how to really slow down, let alone stop working, and just relax. But it's not just Southern Californians. Our entire culture is sleep deprived. The average American today gets two hours less sleep each night than 50 years ago. So here we are, we got better beds. We've got air conditioning in our homes. 50 years ago, a lot of people didn't. We've got heat in our homes. We've got all this wonderful technology. Things have gotten better and better and better, and we get two hours less sleep than people did 50 years ago who had to go out and do chores, work till night, and slop the hogs, and do all of those kind of things. 
And we get less sleep than people who did that kind of long, long, hard physical labor. And that's why we're so willing to do this, stand in line (laughs) to get our caffeine boost, pay big dollars to get that extra boost just to get us going in the morning. The truth is, so many of us are so overworked and we're so on the run that we're just like the people mentioned in the book of Job thousands of years ago. Take a look at this. The Bible says, they spit out their food half-chewed. Why? Because they were on the run. They were on the run. So they, they get a little bit of the taste, they get a little bit of the juice, and they were so on the run that they spit out their food half-chewed. Look at this. Unable, because they're so busy, to relax and enjoy anything that they've worked for. They were workaholics. They were on the run. But the question is, how do you know if you're like them? How do you know if you've got this tendency to be a workaholic? Like many of us Southern Californians have that tendency to be. Well, this morning, I'm going to give you a world-famous workaholic quiz. Are you ready? Now, when I go through this stuff, you don't have to put your hand up, all right? Just say in your mind, yep, that's me. When When one hits you, say, yep, that's me. And I want you to be really honest now. Okay, with yourself, because you are in church, amen? (laughs) God can read your mind, amen, all right? So I want you to be really, really honest. Here's the quiz. Are you always in a hurry? Are you always in a hurry? Do you always walk fast no matter where you're going? Shirley's always telling me, slow down, slow down. Are you always in a hurry? Do you use days off to catch up with unfinished tasks? Unfinished work. I see some women going like this. (laughs) Has more than one person ever told you to slow down? Do you feel guilty when you do try to relax? I got so much to do on my list. Do you have to get sick to take time off? Do all your Christmas cards come from work associates? (laughs) Only people who know you. (laughs) Listen, You know you're a workaholic when it's back to school night and you don't know which school your kid attends. (laughs) You don't know where to go. You know you're a workaholic when you leave your cell phone on in church to be available to your work associates and your clients. You know you're a workaholic when you text your clients from the bathroom. Come on, admit it. Come on. I know. You know you're a workaholic when you're known to your family as an occupant. (laughs) Overworking. Seldom relaxing. It can happen to even pastors. It can happen to anyone. I'll never forget the the first two years of Canyon Hills. Take a look at this. First two years of Canyon Hills. I was caring for these 350 people. Church had just opened. Things were going great. But I was working 90 to 100 hours every week. I was working 13, 14 hours per day, seven days a week, to care for this brand new church family. And at the end of those first two years, I hit a wall. I was absolutely worn out. I was experiencing anxiety. I was experiencing panic attacks. I was not being present with my family. Even if I was there, I wasn't present. And I'll never forget the day that I said, God, 
I can't continue on like this. I, I just can't. I'm done. I've been working and acting like I own this church. I've been acting and working like it's my church, but God, it's your church. And God, you said that you would build your church. So today, I'm turning it back over to you. God, I'll do my best, but it's your church. And from that day on, I started taking every Friday off. Friday, that was my Sabbath. That was my Sunday. That was my one day a week to rest. I started working less hours every day. I started going to my kids' events and, and sports and school events. I, I started getting more rest and more exercise. And you know what? Everything still got done. And when I came to work, I was more rested. I was more creative because my life was in balance. Now, in this series, we're looking at Psalm 23, which tells us the ways that the good shepherd Jesus takes care of his sheep, you and me. And you see, if you don't understand, and here's the key, if you don't understand that God wants to take care of you, if you don't understand that God wants to shower you with his goodness, you will spend your life working your fingers to the bone. You'll spend your life worrying yourself to near death. You'll spend your life scurrying around to meet all of your needs as if your whole existence depends completely on you. Now, God has created you and gifted us, you, to work. And we are to do good work. We are to do our best. But as you do your best and you also start obeying God and trusting God to take care of you, he will take care of the rest. And you'll experience him showering you with his goodness again and again and again. Now listen, one of, one of the things that a good shepherd does is to make sure that his sheep do get enough rest. So take a look at this. David wrote this, the Lord is my shepherd. And then he says, and I lack nothing. He makes me lie down. In other words, he makes me rest. He makes me relax in green pastures. He leads me beside not turbulent waters, but quiet waters. And there he refreshes my soul. That's what the good shepherd does for us if we will really obey his word about rest. He will do those things. Here's the bottom line. To give God your best requires rest. Write that down somewhere in your outline. Amen? To give God your best requires rest. And man, I had to learn that lesson. Big time. But did you know that even Jesus modeled taking time to rest? In his three years of ministry, Jesus, beyond sleeping every night, did you know that he took seven retreats in three years? He took seven times away from his ministry for rest. Listen, your good shepherd Jesus wants you to take time to do this. <laughs> Lie down and rest. He wants you to take time to become refreshed. He wants you to take some time to relax. So here's the big question. Why do some of us not do that? Why do some people just tend to overwork, overwork, overwork? Well, write this down. It's because, first of all, they think work equals security. 
They think the more they work, the more they save, the more they invest in things that appreciate, the more that they can store up for a rainy day or a tough time. And so they work harder so they can secure greater security. But the Bible says this, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears, for it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. Listen, every single thing that you and I work so hard to get can be lost in an instant. Gone. I mean, it could fly away like an eagle. All it takes is a fire, or a flood, or a quake, or a recession, or a job loss, or a loss of health. And just like an eagle swoops down and grabs its prey and flies away, so can all of your stuff. Some people overwork because they think work equals security, but it doesn't. It can fly away. Second, some overwork because they think work equals equality. They think the more they work, the more they can be equal with their family, equal with their friends, equal with their neighbors. The Bible says this, most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. They say, I want to be like them. I want to have what they have. I want the house they have, the car they have, the pool they have, the motor home they have, the second home they have. I want what they have. They think, I want to go where they go. Hawaii, Europe, Germany, Costa Rica, Cabo. I want to go where they go. They say, I, I want to do what they do. High-end restaurants, clothing shops. And so they overwork, hoping it will put them on equal ground with their family, their friends, their neighbors. Some people overwork because they think work equals equality, but it doesn't. Third, some overwork because they think work equals plenty. They work, and they think the more they work, the more they can be assured that they will always have plenty. The Bible says this, it is senseless for you to work so hard from early morning until late night, fearing and worrying that you won't have enough. For God wants his loved ones to get their proper rest. God wants you to never live in fear that you just won't have enough. And yet we let that fear creep in, don't we? God wants you to always get enough rest. And so go home. Take a nap today, amen? Come on. Carl, you gave Carlos better amens last week, amen? amen. Go home and take a, a nap today. Take a rest. The question is, how do you learn, though, to relax? How do you learn to live a saner life? How, how do you not live an insane life? How do you learn to live a less stressed and instead a more blessed life? How, how does that happen? Instead of living a restless life, how can you live a more rested life? Well, God tells you in his word, in fact, he gives you five things that we're going to talk about this morning to help you become more rested and more relaxed. And if you start doing these things and trusting your shepherd to do the rest, you'll become rested and relaxed. So how do you do that? That's the big question. How, how do you become relaxed? Write this down. First, you relax by remembering your value. That's the starting point, remembering your value. 
Instead of basing your value on the work that you do, you start remembering that even if you could not work at all, that you still have value because of the one you belong to. Amen? If you could do no work at all, you still have value because of the one you belong to. You have value because of the one who made you, the one who died for you, the creator who chose to create you. You are his creation. And beyond that, Jesus chose to die for you. Beyond that, Jesus chose to send the Holy Spirit to live in you, to help you and empower you and guide you. And beyond that, Jesus is preparing a place for you to live in his kingdom, his house forever. And all of those things together show that you have incredible value far beyond the work that you do. Amen? Oh, come on. <laughs> you guys need to get some rest. So remember, it's not the work you do that gives you value, but the one you belong to. Maybe somebody once told you you're never going to amount to anything. And maybe you've never gotten past that. You've never forgotten that. So you've been living your life saying, I'm going to show them. I'm going to show my mom. I'm going to show my dad. And that's been driving you to work so hard that you even overwork. And you never take time to really relax. But the Bible says God decided to give us life through the word of truth, that's through Jesus, so that we might be the most important of everything God has created. Look at that. Don't, don't let your mind miss this. That we might be the most important of everything God has created. So listen close. God values you so much that he says you are the most important of everything else that he's ever created. Let that sink in. That means you're more important than the sun and the moon. You're more important than the Milky Way. You're more important than all the animals. You're more important than the, the flowers and the trees. You're more important than the oceans and the rivers. So you do not have to worry when somebody says something about you. You don't have to, to run and overwork to prove that you have value. You can relax and know that your good God values you. Do you get that? Now, when I say, did you get that? I want you to say, got it, all right? And then I'll say, good. Did you get that? Good. I want you to get that. God is saying, you are more important than the sun, the moon, the Milky Way, the animal, all of, those, all of those things that I created, and he keeps all of those things swirling and moving and doing their jobs. He keeps them all in the air. He causes them to bloom and to, to grow and to expand. He, he blesses them, and he says, you're more important than all of that. You have value because of who you belong to. And then you can relax, but not only remembering your value, but also by enjoying what you have. You can relax by enjoying what you have. Here's the bottom line. If you get to enjoying what you've already got, you can get off the racetrack. <laughs> you can get off the race to get more and better. By nature, we are not content sheep. By nature, we are not resting sheep. Like sheep in a pasture, we're constantly moving and looking for a new place to graze, something better to eat, someplace better to go. 
And we become so preoccupied in getting more that we don't enjoy what we have. And I mean, all you have to do here in Southern California is go to the beach and look at some of those amazing homes at the beach. Homes that are over over the top in construction. Homes that are over the top in beauty and amenities. Some of those homes that are worth 10 to $25 million. We we were down there not too long ago and we were walking around Balboa Beach and I saw this home for sale and I said, Shirley, we gotta look this up. I bet this this is worth, you know, about three million bucks. This is awesome. We, We dialed it up on the real estate thing. $11 million, you know, and you just look at those homes, and and yet, as you walk by those homes, you suddenly want more, and yet, as you walk by those homes worth all of those millions of dollars, you also notice that they're seldom occupied. You ever notice that? The owners are seldom there to enjoy them because they're always at work. Because somebody has to pay that mortgage. Folks, we need to learn to enjoy the little we have rather than letting a desire to acquire keep us from enjoying what we have. The Bible says this, all of us should enjoy what we have worked for. It is God's gift. So folks, instead of overworking to get more, relax and enjoy what God's already given you. You relax by enjoying what you have, and then next, by limiting your work. You learn to relax by limiting your work. And if you don't limit your work, get this, you're breaking one of God's commands. You're breaking one of God's 10 commandments. Rest to God is so important for you that he actually included it in his 10 commandments. God listed limiting your work by taking a day of rest right next to do not commit adultery, do not murder, and do not steal. God said every six days, take a day of rest. And you say, well, I'll never go murder anybody. I'll never commit adultery. But are you taking a day off every week to really rest? Once again, our best requires rest. The Bible says this, you have six days in which to do your work, but the seventh day is to be a day of complete rest dedicated to me. God has commanded you to take a day of rest, a a Sabbath, and the Sabbath means rest, a day to rest and to worship him. Jesus says the Sabbath was made to benefit man. So it's not only something that God wants you to do, a day to rest and worship, but he said it's for your benefit, to keep you from burning out. God commanded that you take a day every week to rest up. Now, my Sabbath is not Saturday. My Sabbath is not Sunday. I'm I'm working on those days to get ready for this day, amen? My Sabbath is every Friday. And on my Sabbath, I try to focus on three things. One, resting my body. I don't start as early. And I don't get up and have early coffee and Cheerios. That's my normal stuff, all right? But Shirley makes me a big breakfast on Fridays, all right? So I don't get out of bed as early, and I have a bigger, better breakfast. I I take breaks on that day. I take even some naps on that day. Then I recharge my emotions, 
So I, I'm resting my body, I'm recharging my emotions. I do things I really enjoy. And I enjoy yard work. Maybe that's part of the farmer built into me. And, and so I enjoy doing yard work. Things different from what I do here. And then I refocus my spirit. No matter what I do, I'm going around the yard, I'm, or if we're out in the boat on Elsinore on that Friday or whatever, I'm worshiping God. I'm praising Him and I'm praying. I'm using that day to rest my body, to recharge my emotions, and to refocus my spirit. So obey this command to limit your work, and God will rest you, and he will bless you. Next, you relax by not only limiting your work, but then by adjusting your values. Write that down. Adjusting your values. What's that mean? Well, to reduce the busyness in your life so you can relax... You're going to have to adjust your values. You're going to have to change the way you think about what's really important. Because way too often we overwork, I like to say it this way, to buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. (laughs) Too often we do those things. But if you continue to overwork just to keep up with the Joneses or somebody else's, you're never going to experience the goodness of God that he wants to shower on you because you've never learned to do your best and then to trust God for the rest. And in the process of trying to keep up with the Joneses or whoever's, rest and relaxation will go out the window as you pursue more and more. Reconnecting with God each day will go out the window as you pursue more and more. And yet the Bible gives us this warning. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? And you say, but look at all that I've accomplished at work. How's your soul? And you say, look at the bonus that I might get because of my my overtime that I took on and, and all of my good work. But how's your soul? You relax by adjusting your values. You may gain a lot of the world's stuff, but how's your soul? What's really important? What's really going to last? Your soul. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Last, you relax by exchanging your worry for God's peace. If you will just give up overworking... If you would just give up worrying, thinking that you have to overwork to meet all of your needs, all of your wants, all of your desires, and instead do your best and then obey and trust God for the rest, you begin to experience God's peace in your heart. You can exchange your worry for God's peace because look at what Jesus says. Look at the birds in the air. They don't plant. They don't harvest or store food in barns, Jesus is saying, the birds don't even go to work. (laughs) They don't go to work. But your heavenly Father feeds them, and you know that you are worth so much more than the birds. And you cannot add any time to your life by worrying about it. And why do you worry about anything else? Look at the beauty of the wildflowers in the field. They don't worry or overwork. But God takes care of them so you can be sure that he will clothe you too. 
Folks, your good, good God will take care of you. Jesus goes on to say, are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out? I've been there. Then he says, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. So how do you learn to really rest and relax? Worship team, go ahead and come up. How do you learn to really rest and relax? Here it is. Here's the summary of the whole morning. First you stay close to Jesus, and then you relax by remembering your value. You remember who you belong to, and that you are the most important above all creation to God. And then you enjoy what you have. And then you limit your work. And then you adjust your values. And then you exchange your worry for God's peace. And who needs an E before exchange to make it spelled right, all right? Yeah. Had to make relax work somehow. And then you exchange your worry for God's peace. Folks, that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to relax. He wants you to get rest and trust him for the rest. Knowing that he's good, knowing that he's willing to shower you with his goodness. Once again, as we close, the Bible says, it is senseless for you to work so hard from early morning to late at night, fearing and worrying that you won't have enough. God wants his loved ones to get their proper rest. Go take a nap, church. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you bow with me and let's pray. And I encourage you to pray this in your heart as I close today. Father God, I admit today that I tend to overwork. This morning I commit to stop overworking. I commit to do my best at work and then to relax knowing that out of your heart of goodness that you, Father, will care for my needs. Thank you for being the good Father that you are. I place my trust in you. And I want to have more of you in my life than more of the things of this world in my life. Jesus, I want you. And all of God's people said...